Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. Very special occasion today, as, of course, we have Mr. James Wickhouse from Jets X Factor here with us as well. Big game to break down going over the Jets and the Vikings. Unfortunately, the Jets were not able to find their way to a road victory, falling 27-22 to to Minnesota. The Jets are now 7-5, and looking ahead at a crucial, crucial road matchup with the Buffalo Bills, division opponent, uh, division opponent conference opponent, Playoffs uh, race is getting tight here in the month of December and the Jets are still in the thick of it despite the loss, but they're going to need a big one uh, some with a win in Buffalo and some help outside to really keep things on schedule. Let's get uh, guys, let's get right in starting with this game. I think the, the topic of the week, it's pretty obvious when you have a team that puts up well over, I think it was 484 total yards of offense. You have a quarterback that throws for 369 yards. You have 120 yards rushing and you only get one touchdown on the day and you lose by five points, and you go one for six in the red zone, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions. Who's to blame here? Is it Mike White? Is it the receivers? Is it Michael Floor, the play caller? Uh, I think we got to jump all over and just start in. James, as as the uh, the resident guest here, I'll give you the floor first. Go ahead and just tell me what would be your first instinct as the problem for the Jets offense? Because I wouldn't say there was too many. Like I said, you got over 480 total yards, but only 22 points with most of that coming off field goals is not going to do it in the NFL. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Um, the I guess the culprit, um, I never like putting it on the offensive coordinator, but I'm going to start there because it starts at the top um, and, and he's the guy calling the shots. So obviously we know when you get down to the red zone, you kind of get in the nitty gritty. There's not as much room. There's not as much space. Um, and we saw a lot of, obviously on the one yard line, we're in an empty formation, um, you know, kind of just to pick out a couple plays here, uh, you know, the third and goal, 
towards the end there, Garrett Wilson, I think he falls down. Um, but yeah, ultimately <laughs> you, you, you kind of, you know, you're in an empty formation anyway, probably not, uh, you know, the best type of situation, but you know, one of your third and, and goal plays from the one can't be a play where there's essentially a 0% probability of, you know, uh, an incompletion due to execution there. But what I would love, love to see or would have loved to see in the red zone is a little bit more of calling plays where, you know, there's some traffic. Um, and by traffic, you know, if we're doing, you know, if we're going to pass the ball, maybe we get a bunch of formation guys create and pick plays for, for, um, for some wide receivers. Um, but also, um, you know, the use of motion in a different sense than the jets have been kind of using it in, in the last couple of weeks and, you know, maybe using a jet motion, um, you know, to get a guy in the flag, get the quarterback out of the pocket, you know, something toward the, towards the front pylon, even, um, you know, we, we kind of, uh, went away from the uh, inside run game early on, then tried to go to it at the end of that, uh, at the end of the game there after the two minute warning didn't really work. Um, but ultimately I'm going to put it on LaFleur Cause I think at the end of the day, um, you know, guys got to be put in better positions, um, but there are, you know, a, a Braxton Berrios potential drop there at the end. Um, you know, there are other guys, it is a team effort, but if we're going to put it on, someone to say, Hey, this guy has to be better. I think it starts at the top to put these guys in better positions at that, you know, uh, and that crunch time at the end where the, where the field is, is really short. You gotta not only be creative, but you gotta kind of stick also to the basics and just let these guys do what they do. You said something key there, put people in better positions. I would like to put better people on the field. As much as I love Berrios, I don't see why he is getting the majority of these snaps in these high pressure situations when we need the best on the field at that time. Every single pass that went to Barrios, I feel like it should have gone to more. He is a dynamic playmaker uh, who we drafted high for a reason because he's dependable as a receiver. He's got great hands. Uh, when it comes to that fourth down play, I just keep thinking in my head, like, I wish more was was getting this pass and not Berrios. Uh, like I said, for as much as I love Berrios, uh, I like him more as a return man and as a spot guy here and there. Uh, but there's a reason why more was so highly drafted. Uh, and we've seen his talent on display uh, continuously. Uh, I know he was in the doghouse for a while, but at the same time, I'd like to see him more in these situations. Yeah, I don't entirely disagree with you, Matt, but I do want to counter you a little bit here because I want to start by saying I don't think Elijah Moore would be a bad option on those type of plays. And as I'm not trying to say anything against that. He is a great athlete. He has some experiences, you know, taking carries in the backfield in college as a running back. He was used in that sort of gadget way before. We saw him as a rookie scores. I'm pretty sure it was his first NFL touchdown on an end around play. So we've, we've seen what he can do. He even had a play in this game against Minnesota where he picks up a first down by making two guys miss uh, to the front side and getting behind him and getting upfield. So I don't want to disagree and say, oh, I don't think Elijah Moore can do that. But I think you're downplaying Barrios a little bit. And I think that Barrios in particular, the one thing about him that at least on these type of plays that I, that makes him really effective is the same reason he's a really good kick and punt returner, his vision and his ability to cut on a dime. 
where for these end arounds specifically, when you can be going full speed horizontally and you're running parallel to the line of scrimmage. And I know we've seen him do this a couple of times this year. I want to say it was in the Miami game. And I think he had another one against Denver where he's taken one of those end arounds and he's going full speed to the edge. He's trying to draw as much, you know, attention from the defense as he can. And in like one or two steps, he's able to completely and totally shift his direction and go from completely horizontal and parallel to the line of scrimmage to upfield and vertical and, and cutting into lanes that are there that I don't think anybody else on the team could hit quite honestly, as good as Elijah Moore is as explosive as Elijah Moore is. I don't think he is that quick in his change of direction and his ability to cut it full speed and maintain speed on top of just having the vision to see the lanes in the first place. My issue uh, to, to take, you know, from everything, from what all of you have said, and I do agree with most, if not all of what all of you have said, minus the Barrios, um, I think the main issue here is getting into the red zone and not working your strengths where we've seen a lot of this college offense, you know, end around motion stuff. It's worked sometimes for the jets. It's also been some of their worst plays. And I think it's the timing of you get into the red zone. We saw on one drive in particular, I believe it was in the third quarter where they get a a big explosive pass play. Uh, over the middle of the field off a of play action under center play action to Garrett Wilson that gets them down the field. They pick up another few yards and they get into the red zone and their first play out of that red zone sequence is the tunnel screen to Barrios. And yes, Braxton Barrios takes a bad cut and that's a play you can absolutely get on him for, for in going to the outside when the play is designed for him to take it inside. And he probably has room to just follow his blockers and get up field. Instead, he makes an ill-advised cut back to the outside George Fant's trying to block the guy who's now running the opposite direction and ends up a block in the back. The timing of that call for me is, is completely and totally out of, out of left field. And the one thing that I saw from LaFleur where Matt, you're going to make a point here. I don't want to steal it from you because I know we've been talking (laughs) off air and this has been a point you've been saying. So I want to credit you with this first and foremost, this was a team loss. And there was factors of this that on every aspect, whether you can start with the defense early in the game, receivers dropping passes, White was, for the most part, very accurate and very on, but had a couple of things that he missed that could have been big plays, miscues from Michael Flora. There was issues from the whole team. But as the play caller, when you have momentum, when your offense is generating explosive plays, when you're trying to mount a comeback, when you're trying to make a statement to this team on the road that that they do have to fear you and they're not in control of the game, and you get down to the red zone and your first instinct is let me try and find some gadget trick play. Let me call a double pass off a reverse to Garrett motion to Garrett Wilson uh, off a jet motion. Let me call a tunnel screen to Braxton Barrios. Things like that. Uh, the timing just isn't there for me. And I want to see the Jets get into the red zone and not look to fool everybody else and have the cutest, you know, most well-designed fancy play that's going to work. I want to see them take other teams wills. I want to see them be aggressive in a way that's trust your offensive line on first down, trust your running back. That's I know he's an undrafted free agent in his second ever NFL game, but he's making people miss every time he touches the ball and he's getting up field every time, give him an opportunity on first down to pick up some positive yards, find other ways other than calling the game. Like it's you're at your own 25 yard line. And I just think that, the self-awareness from Michael Floor would have set them up to start drives better or to start uh, down sets of downs better, where if you're in the red zone and it's first and 10 from the 26 and you start out second and 10 or you start out second and 13, uh, that's a heck of a lot harder to try and get closer and get a first down than if you were able to pick up four or five yards at least. I'm, 
I think it starts there. And if you you want to blame Michael Thor and I'll be the first one to do it, yes, he's to blame here. But I also don't think that this is a game that we go fire Michael Floor. He's terrible. He can't do the job and we need to find someone else because the offense still put up over 480 total yards and they still had a quarterback throw for 370. And with a few other things that are different, maybe not some drops, they do score a few touchdowns and the score looks a lot better in the end. There's a lot of blame to go around here, but I don't think this should be a, a tear everything down moment whatsoever. No, I definitely don't tear everything down because things are going really well. Like I'm, I'm one where I hate the instant, like the instant reaction to the, um, I guess to the negative too much where it's, you know, after every play, it's gotta be all right. Why are we calling this just because of it? Just because it didn't work. If it worked, we'd have the opposite conversation that happens way too much in my opinion. And you're right. LaFleur had his um, had his moments in this game where you kind of scratch your head. Um, but the offense operated to the point where they were getting in the red zone very, very quickly. Um, and it was happening by big plays. And obviously, Garrett Wilson's just kind of a special player and he he does what he does. But, um, you know, they were getting to the red zone in that in that second half, at least. Um very, very quickly. So things were working for them. They were racking up the yards. It just came, you know, the timely calls and you know, what are you going to do? And, and kind of, to, Andrew, to kind of go back to your point on, you know, the motion. And for the last couple of weeks, we've kind of seen for, and I don't think, I don't think we saw it yesterday, but, um, you know, for, for a couple of games, Michael LaFleur got into this habit of just kind of orbit motioning someone. And yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure what the point was. I mean, I get the point, but, um, and no one was uh, falling for whatever you, you kind of had going on there. And, you know, at some points uh, that orbit motion can easily turn into a penalty if the guy's coming down towards the line of scrimmage. It's it, it, it kind of seemed um, unnecessary. But I think the Jets have the players in the red zone, especially when you're really, really deep in the red zone. You're within that 10, that five yard line where they can use the motion to their advantage with guys like Braxton Berrios, with guys like Elijah Moore, um, you know, because when you look at it from a defensive standpoint, um, the motion is really difficult to, to guard, you know, if you're in man coverage, obviously you'll know you'll have someone following him. But for the most part, at that point, the offensive play design is probably going to have something to where if the ball's going to the motion man, you're trying to create traffic for the, the man defender at that point to kind of break him free. But for the other 10 defenders on the field, they got their either their hands in the dirt or their feet on the ground. They're not, you know, they're not moving laterally to that point. So you can kind of get a guy like Braxton or Elijah Moore, even Garrett Wilson, just because he could, you know, do so many things. Um, you know, you can get them to that front pylon. Um, the the ball's just got to cross the plane. We're not, you know, it it, it doesn't have to be anything, um, you know, crazy difficult, uh, you know, where, you know, you have to, uh, you have to scheme guys in the back of the end zone. Obviously you could do that too, but I just think, yeah, personnel wise, they have guys that you could put them in motion, um, hand them the ball, whether it's a jet sweep or really just, again, a kind of a, a quick little sprint out by Mike White. I know he, he, you know, he's not the best at moving his feet, but, um, you know, that's, it's a difficult throw when you, when you kind of have the, the motion guy going towards that front pylon and it's just a quick drop back. That's probably one of the, the more difficult short throws in football. Um, so if you get them just on a little sprint, it makes the throw a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, just get guys moving, but yeah, you're right. This isn't a tear down type of moment. This is, you know, we take a look at the film 
everyone's uh, everyone's got their hand in the pot in terms of what went what went wrong. Um, and then you just turn around, you got to play a really good Buffalo team, but you got to come with that same fight that they did. They did yesterday. It's just sometimes it doesn't shake out the way you want it to shake out. Yeah, there was absolutely no quit from this team. What was it? 26 uh, going into halftime and we just roared right back. It, it didn't seem like anything was going to really stop us. And at some, po- at some point, it was just like, all right, we not, after all that, we actually have a great chance of winning. Uh, but yeah, I just still can't get over the, the red zone. Uh, you were saying, yeah, if it worked a couple times, uh, we'd be having a completely different conversation. But the fact is, we were one for six. So it didn't work a lot of the time. Uh, and it didn't seem to change at all. Uh, and one another thing uh, is I feel like they're kind of force-feeding Conklin a little bit. Uh, not just yes. but not just <laughs> down the field, but also with tight end screens. Uh, I love Conklin, but at the same time, with these plays, I would rather put it in the hands of a more dynamic runner. I know that's there's no surprise in that, right? So, but at the same time, if you do it this much with Conklin, it's not a surprise that way either. So, why not just maybe, maybe fake it to Conklin and, and go somewhere else? Because at that point, it, it you can use him at it as a decoy because we've gone to him so much on tight end screens. And I don't know if his hand size is, is small, but it just seems like he has a lot of drops. And they're not just drops. I feel like every time the ball hits his hands. Uh, it always pops in the air. Same with Davis. It's weird. Like I, I, it, it just always seems to pop up in a very vulnerable position. Uh, more so with with White. I, I don't know. It, it has happened a lot last year too with White. Is that balls just find the way to pop up in the air? Um, I don't. I don't think he's really doing anything special with his his throw throwing angles or or, or the spin on the ball. But it just always seems to pop up. Uh, but with that said, I I feel like White played very well considering he had what 60 something dropbacks uh and 57 57 close to 60 57 57 pass attempts so if you factor in other scrambles it might have been over 60 yeah yeah uh yeah 59 dropbacks 57 attempts 31 completions for 54.4 completion percentage uh overall those numbers sound great uh, but remember uh, Zach Wilson against the Patriots the first game that he had his first 300 yard game, and, but with all the turnovers really, really hindered any kind of uh, celebration uh, of the of those stats. Uh, but w- the the two stats that I that really stick out to me with White are his big time throw percentage and his turnover worthy uh, plays percentage. Uh, the big time throw is over five percent, which is very good, and uh, I I think it's a lot uh, almost double maybe of what uh, Zach Wilson's has been the entire season. Uh, And then you got turnover worthy passes uh, at 1.6, which is also very good. So he's taking care of the ball and he's making big time throws. Uh, None over the none bigger than that, that fourth down throw to to Davis. That was an amazing throw. And the, the more angles I see it from, it gets better and better. The same to get that pass to Garrett Wilson on that long, long reception run. Mm-hmm. Uh, only he stayed in bounds, uh, but that's the, that was kind of the the theme of the game. If only, if only, if only, if only more drags his foot. If only Garrett Wilson keeps his uh, foot in bounds. If only Barrios catches it. If only, if only. But we could say that all game. Uh, and the fact is, we didn't. 
And that was the the small little bit that kept us out of the win column. Yeah, it is a game of inches, truly. And that's exactly what Garrett Wilson said after the game. And this was a perfect example of it. This is why the sport is so tough. This is why coaches talk about, you know, every team is good. Every team has a chance. It comes down to a couple of crucial plays and that can be the difference. And it's true where a few different things or one or two things goes differently for the Jets in this game and they get a win. And it really is that simple. I want to do something kind of kind of off the cusp here, guys, but I think it's a good idea. And I think it's important for for our listeners to understand I don't ever want us, uh, James, you're included in this by association now. Sorry. Uh, I don't want any of us ever to be the type of people that are going to spout criticism and not offer up any sort of solution, because I think it's a perfectly fair argument that any person with a microphone can find their way and criticize Michael Floor and go, oh, the red zone play calling was terrible and he needs to do better. Well, what plays would you call then? Right. What would you do differently? Are you going to be able to do anything any better? So I have five plays that off the top of my head, I just came up with. Specifically, I'm thinking of the Jets' second to last opportunity to score, where they had a first and goal from the four-yard line. They got a run play that got them three yards down to the one. And then with about two minutes left in the game and knowing you're going forward on fourth down, they had three opportunities from the one-yard line to score and turn the ball over on downs. Those plays were a run to Bam Knight that got stopped for no gain an incomplete pass that was short to the right to Garrett Wilson that was off an RPO, according to Mike White. And the very last play was Berrios's drop that, again, according to Mike White, was an improvised route by Braxton Berrios that he's supposed to start outside, fake going back in on the little bit of an angle route and then go back to the outside again. And he saw that the Minnesota linebacker was sitting outside waiting for him. So he never came back outside. He just kept going to the inside where there was space. White saw him do that, and he was almost able to connect for the touchdown. So you have a, a run play on first down that gets you three yards, a run play that gets you nothing, and two incomplete passes, one of which was almost a score that wasn't designed by your offensive coordinator. You can have some improvement here. Here's the ideas that I had. For, for any second, third, fourth down, whichever you know time in the, in the drive you want to call these, I think they could all work. First and foremost, I know they tried running the ball on second down with Bam Knight and got no game. I don't think trying it again on third down from the one is the worst idea in the world. If you do it a little bit differently. So here's my idea. You get into a, a 21 personnel set with two running backs. You put Ty Johnson as, or James Robinson as the deep eye back. And you put Bam Knight as the fullback and you turn around and hand it off to Bam Knight on a fullback dive. One that's going to draw the path of the uh, Minnesota players that are shooting gaps. They're going to be looking for the running back. They're not may not have their eye on the ball and, and be able to, to key that Bam's going to get the ball on the inside. On top of that, you're limiting the amount of time between the snap and the ball carrier getting the ball. You're shortening the distance between where they have to go from behind the line of scrimmage to crossing the plane of the goal line. I think that can be an effective way to go about it. Quick rattle off a few other ones. You call us a play action run where you have Braxton Berrios come across that motion, like you're saying, James, where you get in the red zone, you have the space to take advantage, and you got to get upfield. You have him come across, you call a play action, you know, under center or split zone, whatever the Jets are going to call, and you throw it to Berrios off the flat, off the motion. Yep. You let all the linebackers suck down because they're thinking it's an inside run, and Berrios is a decoy. You flip it out to him, you let him stick the ball over the pylon. You call a reverse boot with Mike White. You have him lead out to the front side off a zone play, keep the ball, run around the backside. If Peyton Manning can do it at 37 years old, I think Mike White can score on it. We saw the Saints 
uh, under Sean Payton for years do this with Michael Thomas, where they'd get into a, a three by one set and they'd motion Thomas under to a bunch alignment and they'd call a quick little snap. And it's a tunnel screen where he goes from the outside receiver. He uses the two inside receivers in the bunch to block for him, catches it, sticks the ball over the pylon. They probably scored 15 touchdowns under Sean Payton with that play in the red zone. Last but not least, get into a 22 personnel set. Get two running backs and two tight ends in the backfield. Isolate Garrett Wilson to one side of the field if you absolutely don't want to run the ball and let him run a slot fade or let him run the fade route. Let him do what we saw him do against Cleveland and get wide open. Let we do let him do what we saw him do against the Bears and get wide open. Get him singled up with, with a one-on-one matchup and let him go beat his man. I think any of these five plays could have worked better than what we saw out of the Jets. I'd love to know what you guys think. All right. Uh, I'm going to uh, switch up uh, the one of the ones you said. Um Instead of uh, Bam as the the fullback, I'm gonna have Bam as the lead back and Quinnen Williams as the fullback. You have that could work. Uh, remember seeing him that with worked. the ball in his hand and how angry he ran the ball. If I see him lining up as a fullback, I immediately think that he's about to bulldoze some people over and clear a lane. And I would try that first on on third down. Uh, see if that works. If he can clear the lane for Bam to just uh, find some daylight and jump into the end zone. If it doesn't work, I'm running the same exact uh, formation with Quinnen as a fullback. But this time, I'm doing a naked bootleg and having CJ squirt out uh, and uh, from uh, his tight end position and hit him in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, maybe have... Uh, have Conklin uh, from the opposite side of the line uh, leak uh, uh, leaking out uh, the other way. Um, another one, uh, uh, if if uh, Lafleur really wants to be cute, let's do a pop pass. Just uh, just like a quick little pop pass to to maybe uh, to CJ again. Yeah, let's do that on the one and not on second and seven at the twenty six. Second and seven, exactly. Uh, those are the, those are the only three I I would have changed. So Andrew, I like. I like the one where you have um, you have Bam as the fullback, um, and I wouldn't mind handing handing him the ball on you know some sort of fullback dive there. What I would do to add to that though is whoever my running back is going to be. Maybe it's uh, yesterday James Robinson. Um, I would have him run as though he's about to get a toss. Um, yes, and. Still hand the ball off, but I, and I need Mike White uh, to be a big part of this uh, because I need him to execute the fake. You do that on second down, um, and you just see just see how the Vikings defense reacts to to the to the fake toss. Essentially, right? You know, do they respect it? And you know, hopefully, hopefully they do because then it probably opens up it opens up Bam for a touchdown. If it doesn't, um, you know, you, maybe you tuck it away. Um, but ultimately there, you kind of want to, you kind of want to make them start to think, because I think if my memory serves me correctly on that second down run play, it got stopped because Harrison Smith just freaking blew the thing up. Yes, um, because they he, called the same split they zone called, run that exactly. they called uh, at maybe a hundred times a game all season. Right. He, he saw, he saw it coming from my way. I mean, he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, is he's the veteran on that defense. He's also a really good football player. So, um, you know, he saw that coming, he blew it up. Um, I think the announcers called him like the eraser. I don't know if that's a, an actual nickname that he the has. Fixer but, is the what fixer. They or the, okay. Yeah. The fixer, yeah. 
Um, I knew it was something like that. The fixer for, for the 30 for the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL <laughs> that gave up 480 yards to the Jets. Yeah, the yeah there you go. Um, and then for Garrett Wilson, that was one of mine where you go slot fade now. What I would do there is I try to split him out wide, but not too wide to where the fade becomes, um, you know, kind of, a, you know, a, um, an, a non-efficient yeah, route. Space you don't want to from where he take can the space go. away. Yeah. And you also don't want to make it seem like, all right, if I'm all the way out there, then he's running a slant and they pay, you know, maybe they put a safety right, right in that space there. I would actually go with Bam again as the fullback, but I'd offset him to the side of uh, Garrett Wilson. This way it kind of threatens the run to the strong side. Maybe they bring the safety closer to the tackle, the line of scrimmage. And if they actually bring him or the safety linebacker, whoever it might be, if they do kind of bring him in that space, you can ultimately throw the, the uh, you know, the fade to Garrett Wilson. You can keep the slant in play there because if that space is open, I do trust Garrett to get the inside release there against whatever corner they were going to put on him. Um, but that threat of the run to the strong side, the same side that Garrett Wilson's on potentially leaves guys closer to the line of scrimmage to where, you know, if they come up on the run, Garrett Wilson can either run a slant or if it doesn't work out there, you trust him on the fade. You give a little hand signal, some kind of check with me between white and Garrett. So they know what's going on between each other. But yeah, you, I think you give some, you know, autonomy to the players there to say, okay, here's what we're looking at. Here's what we see, you know, route wise, at least for a guy like Garrett Wilson, you split him out wide, you either give him the, 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 the fade or the option for the slant based on the formation or the alignment of the defense based on the formation that you're giving them um, potentially in, in a run, in a run short yardage type of scene there. Yeah, no, I like that too. And I completely agree that if you have BAM offset, that you're likely going to be influencing the safety to come down in a short yardage situation. You're def- you're going to guarantee the one-on-one with Garrett and you're probably going to get inside leverage as a result. I'm all on board with that. You know what else none of us mentioned that might be even simpler than this and was the only touchdown the Jets scored all day? A quarterback, a quarterback sneak. sneak. <laughs> Three times. Three times, right. Mike White's six foot four and 220 pounds. And we saw that if even if he's going to get stood up on first contact, he might not immediately go down. So you get to the one yard line. It's been the only play that's gotten you in the end zone and your your five trips now to that point. And you don't try it again. Not once. You don't even not even on second and, and goal from the one. Do you give it a shot? And if it gets stopped on second and one, then you can say you tried it. But you get a running play to Bam Knight that is not a new running play. That's a running play that's leaving gaps for linemen or linemen in or in this case safeties to shoot through. It's not any sort of a duo where there's double teams up front. You're not you're not pinning and pulling. You know, it's a zone blocking concept and at the one yard line. And in my opinion, unless you're doing some sort of a true outside zone where, where you're really getting everyone flat and you're trying to go to the edge, I don't think that's the best time for those type of running concepts. We didn't even see the simplest thing they could have done, which was just let Mike White try and sneak the ball over the pylon. And this, to me, is where you have to come down with this game. Where, Matt, I said it before, I'll say it again. There's a lot of blame to go around, and that's 100% true. That this is not a one-person solely lost. This is not only on the backs of Michael Floor, and there was members of this team, offense, defense, special teams included, that all could have been better. 
But when you get six opportunities in the red zone and you come away with one touchdown and it was a laboring event just to get that one touchdown and you get back-to-back opportunities under two minutes in the red zone to score a touchdown and take the lead and win the game and you come up empty twice, that's unacceptable. And I think we can both say that in crunch time, in those two situations, those last two red zone possessions, I don't think it was execution from the players that was the problem. I think it was execution from the offensive coordinator. And I don't want this to be, like I said, and James, I know you concurred with this. I don't want this to be the burn everything down. Michael Ford is awful because it's not. But this is something where if we get into a game in the future and we still see these type of struggles, it's going to be an area they're absolutely going to have to focus on. And Robert Sala as the head coach is going to have to start maybe supplying his own ideas for plays to get them in the end zone. Because you cannot, like I said, to start winning the NFL kicking field goals. The Jets probably have one of the best field goal kickers in the NFL right now. And Greg Zerline with how he's played, they still lost. Greg Zerline hit a Jets record 60, 60 or 61 yard field goal. I think it was 60, 60 yard field goal. Longest in team history. Went four for four. Has been electric all season. Did everything he could to propel the team to victory. And it wasn't enough. You can't win in this game scoring three points on a drive. Going one for six is not good enough. This has to be better from Michael Floor. See, I wouldn't say it's completely not with execution because on that third down uh, play uh, on that last drive, I think it's kind of inexcusable to not be on the same page. Uh, I think uh, White was looking for uh, a fade in the corner and Wilson uh, stayed put by on the line, maybe for... Uh, a comeback route. I'm not exactly sure what, what, what they were trying to do, uh, but nobody was there. It was a complete m- miscommunication and something that can't happen in that situation. That's a good point, and I'm not going to completely disagree, but my counterpoint to that would be as a play caller, you put them into position where they don't have to be on a miscommunication and they can just run a simpler play that gets you a yard. Okay. Yeah, either you, you can... You can put it on whoever you want in that in that case. Uh, it, Wilson, White, Lafleur. E- either way, uh, it, it 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 didn't work. Not, not, it, they should have tried something else. They didn't put each other in the right mindset. Uh, everybody on the same page. They they need to do better. Yeah, I think so too. I, I really do. I, I think it's not a bad day on offense when you when you get 480 total yards and your quarterback goes for nearly 370 and your your UDFA gets 90 yards rushing in his second ever game you know it's not a bad day at the office but when you go one for six in the red zone it almost doesn't matter and this is as we've seen from the Jets defense they'll give up yards they'll give up yards till they're blue in the face they don't care because once they get inside the 20s, they're going to get that sack that's going to knock someone into field goal range and they're going to not give up a, a touchdown. And we've seen that be the difference in them winning and losing games the other way. It's no different for the Jets offense for this, uh, for this, in my opinion. Let's get to some positives. Let's highlight some players of the offense that I think did some good things because we haven't gone too in-depth with Mike White. I do want to get to him in a second. But the one guy I've been waiting to talk about, and I'm glad I got both of you guys here to talk with me. Holy crap, Bam Knight's for real. Oh, yeah. Bam Knight is for real. 
And I, I said this, you know, last week, Matt, I was alluding to it. I'm fully on train, uh, fully on board with this now at this point. I think Bam Knight's the running back to next year. I think he's going to leap Michael Carter. I think he's a more explosive athlete. I think he's a better fit in the offense. I think he's a better backup to Brees Hall because they both have an element of explosion. And Bam has the power element to go when defenses get tired of chasing Brees for four quarters, he can punish him. I think this guy is legit. And I think that he's only going to get better the more and more he plays. And it is not going to be a a very long time before he is getting more and more opportunities in the pecking order, even if that means supplanting Michael Carter. I really think he is a weapon. He really is. Uh, and the, I mean, it's not surprising if you if you saw him play at col- in college. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's still exciting to see at this level uh, is that explosion. Uh, he had that one really long uh, run where he it was on full display, his ability to just accelerate and really just run away from the defense. Uh, it's truly a, a great to see, especially for a guy that runs as powerful as he does uh, at 5'11", 209. The guy holds a lot of power behind his punch, uh, which is it's a shame that we didn't use him more in those red zone uh, scenarios. Uh, even when we did use him, he, he even if he was met behind the line, he used his balance and his power and to really fight for the yards and was still able to get us within the, the one yard line or one inch yard line. Uh, and that's just who he is. He's an all around guy that can do whatever we ask him to do, whether it's as a runner or as a receiver. He's still he's got very good hands. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how he's been with pass blocking maybe one of you uh, has better insight on that i haven't done much studying of his pass protection personally i was eager to get into that when the film of this game came out because this is going to be his first game with a lot more opportunities but i haven't necessarily studied him particularly let's see Uh, i'm just looking at pro football focus right now let's see he's only had five pass block uh, opportunities so it's not like he's been uh, their primary uh back in in pass pro um, so it, it would be interesting to see how he does going forward in that area, uh, since that's also a very important aspect of, of being a running back in this offense. There's definitely no doubt that he's more of an explosive athlete than Michael Carter is. And that's not a knock on Michael Carter. It just looks, it, it just looks different. You could tell that 48 yard run that he had, um, you know, that, that presence of having someone who could get to the edge and turn it up field again is something we've. I don't, we really haven't seen, um, since, since Brees Hall got hurt and you saw it there where he put his foot in the ground, got up field and he really split two defenders when I, I looked at the, the play a couple of times, just on the replay, not the all 22 or anything, but there was a very, very small crease for him to hit when he got to the second level, um, you know, to obviously gain another, you know, 25, 30 yards or so after, he got there, but, um, he hit that, he hit that, that crease there and there was not a lot of space. And, and, um, he made that play happen because of the athlete that, that he is. And it's just something that we haven't seen from a Jets running back, unfortunately, since, since Brees Hall got, got hurt and, and Michael Carter's a, you know, a fine back and, um, you know, he's going to be a contributor once he gets back. Um, but, 
his physicality, Bam Knight, it's it's going to make a difference. Um, it made a difference last game. It made a difference against Chicago, and it's for sure going to make a difference when we have to go to Buffalo in the freezing cold tier. Um, you know, he's going to have to make plays uh, in in the run game. Uh, be hard to tackle, but Bam Knight was super impressive. I'm happy. Uh, that he got a chance to play. I think it was the right call by the coaching staff when they made that move against against Chicago. You needed some kind of burst, um, and and it looks like they found it in potentially an unlikely source based on you know the off season and 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 where we were going. You know, headed with uh, you know with Brees this year. Um, you know, you can't predict those kind of things that are going to happen. But um, super impressive player to this point. Two games over a hundred yards uh, from scrimmage in both games. And Matt, I think you hit a good point. Um, he's got good hands. And so you're not, uh, you know, you're not limited. You could throw him the football. He had five catches. It was only 28 yards, but I think one of those turned into a big first down, um, you know, uh, against the Vikings here last week. So, um, you know, among others, among other young players on this, this Jets offense, he is just another one that um, is going to help now. And he's going to help next year. This is not just a, I don't think he doesn't look like a flash in the pan. He's going to go away. He's going to be here next year to, uh, to, to get some big carries as, as Brees kind of, uh, you know, takes time to recover. Cause you know, that's going to be a whole nother conversation, but um, you know, Bam is going to help us now um, hopefully on Sunday and he's going to be around next year to, to help this run game. So. So we're kind of alluding to maybe next year him being the number two back with mm-hmm. Hall as the number one. Uh, but I am not convinced that Hall is going to be the same running back, at least right at away. At least right away, right. Uh, so I see a good chance that Bam sees a lot of time next year, uh, really as the 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 1B or maybe even the 1A at that point. Uh, so, yeah, he's got a bright future here. Uh, and this, again, this is no knock on Carter. Carter is still a wizard back there with the ball. He makes people miss at at rates that uh, are, are tops in the league. Uh, he, they, every single one of these running backs knows how to make defenders miss, uh, and it's a it's a great stable of guys to have uh, and different sizes, uh, different uh, speeds, different power. Uh, different uh, skill sets with the with the ball in their hands, but at the same time, they're all dynamic in their own way. Uh, it's it's going to be fun seeing all three of these guys. James, you had mentioned something that that I want to go into a little bit more. You were talking about Bam on that uh, outside run that he had, that it was his like 44, 45 yard run was his longest of the day, where you had mentioned that there was a small, small crease for him to be able to hit and he was still able to split it, split the the pursuit of two defenders and get up the sideline and turn it into a much bigger play. And that was really one of the two things that stuck out to me with him more than anything else from this game. And they're both huge, huge aspects for me when it comes to scouting running backs in general. Running back is my favorite position to scout. and It's not even a, a competition. I take a lot of pride in being able to scout running backs. I like to think that, you know, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and some people are better in some areas than others. I certainly have things that I do not know as well that we have covered on this show. Running back is one of those areas that I think I have a really, really good handle on. And I like my eye for the two things that Bam does that Bam does really well, that I think are going to carry him throughout his career. First and foremost, like you mentioned, he gets more than what's blocked for him. That was a great 
blocked play by the Jets. Connor McGovern had an absolutely excellent pull, got out to the front side, sealed up on the linebacker, created a perfect lane, and Bam was able to get upfield untouched for about six, seven yards. But it's the difference in taking the run that's blocked well enough for you to get six and seven and finding the little bit of crease and exploding through it and picking up the extra 30. That's huge for me. On top of that, in, in a similar but sort of opposite vein, he was excellent at making people miss in the backfield. He was excellent at taking runs that other running backs would have been tackled for loss on and getting back to the line of scrimmage, falling forward for two, falling forward for three, taking a negative play and getting any sort of positive out of it anyway. That's something we've seen Michael Carter really be really good at as a Jet, and it's something he's still really good at. And you're right, Matt. I don't want to downplay Michael Carter whatsoever, but I would argue that that's one of Michael Carter's biggest strengths is his ability to routinely find positive yards, even if it doesn't look like there might be any there. But the one area that I think Carter has struggled with more this year than anything else is getting more out of plays that are blocked well. And so when you have a guy like Bam that can do both, and you have a lead back eventually, like Brees Hall, that can do both. You have a run game that should always be effective. And you have a run game that can make up for the offensive line in front of them. And that's been a huge, huge problem for the Jets this year, is that they're when James Robinson and Michael Carter have been in the game, quite frankly, they get as much as the offensive line gives them on more plays than not. And if the offensive line gives them nothing, then they're probably getting no more than one or two yards. We've seen just with a a difference of guys in the backfield, the same plays being called with mostly the same offensive linemen in front of them. And if it's not the same, it's just backups to backups or guys in different spots. We've seen these different players be more effective because they're one more explosive and they can get to creases faster and take advantage of pursuit angles uh, more easily. And two, I think they're just as good, if not better, at avoiding tackles in the backfield and finding positive yardage. I think that I really don't see, I don't see how if Bam keeps this pace, it's not going to be obvious that he's going to be the running back too. If not lead back, if Brees isn't healthy, I, I just, his skill set is exactly what the Jets want in a running back, or at the very least, it's exactly what they want to pair with Brees Hall. And, and I just can't see how, how anyone's going to stop that from being the case. I think this kid is, this kid's a find. This kid's an absolute steal as a UDFA. I think he could be the Jets' best UDFA since Bryce Huff. I think, uh, I'd, I'd take oh, him sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go for it. Yeah, no, I think it, it it's become somewhat, uh, you know, you try to gain somewhat of a, you know, positive from, uh, you know, from the, the Brees injury, the Brees situation. But, you know, listen, not, not everyone's Adrian Peterson where you tear your ACL. And you're just kind of the same, you know, you're the same eight months and you later. Get better. <laughs> and you get better. And you get better. <laughs> yeah. If, you know, like there's like a, you know, you even look at like Saquon Barkley is just a freak of a human being. And right. even and he, he was a freak before that too. Right. He freaked before it. And like even him, like last year didn't have, it came back this year for Saquon Barkley. Um, and so there is time and it's just the nature of it. You just kind of have to accept it. Brees is obviously a super talented, um, you know, not, not a lot of guys built like him either. Um, but you kind of look at it, you say, okay, well, the jets can go into the off season saying Brees 
you take take the time that you there is absolutely no rush one to bring him back but then two when you bring him back to just give him the same workload he was getting right beforehand you can go into the season saying listen we don't have to spend a big asset on a running back at this point in time we can still add to the position in other in other you know uh, through other avenues maybe a low cost veteran or you know again a undrafted free agent but you go in feeling good about uh, about Bam and, and and Michael Carter there, and you know whatever happens with Ty Johnson, I don't know his contract situation, whatever's going on there, but clearly they like him, um, and so you know he he he's playing. But um, you go in and you say, okay, well, you know the running back position, um, we're going to be pretty good for I think a long time at that spot, and and that's important uh, with this offense, but it's also important um, with uh, you know number five here. I think we're going to probably talk about pretty soon because. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen Mike White kind of kind of play here and, and do what he can, you know, or show the potential that he has. And it hasn't yet been with uh, big old number 20, uh, you know, ha- handle on the rock in the backfield, which I think is pretty, um, you know, which is which is pretty fun to think about. Yeah, that's definitely enticing to think about. Uh, I was talking in our in the Jet X group today where I said, imagine the Jets offense with Mike White as the quarterback, a healthy Brees Hall and a healthy offensive line. Oh, man. That's that's dangerous to think about. That sounds like the offense we were imagining all summer when we were looking around, going and looking at all this skill talent going, oh, my God, who are they going to cover? Uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. Let's break down Mike White, because I think it's it's important that we focus on him in, in a game that another a lot of people are going to say he played a bad defense. They're going to say he didn't win. They're going to look at the box score and see no touchdowns and two interceptions, and, and they're going to question him. Guys, I know we're going to be all united on this just based off the game film itself. Mike White was awesome. <laughs> Yep. My client was awesome. <laughs> Matt, okay, Matt's All Matt's right. a detractor here. So go ahead. The floor is yours, sir, because it seems like me and James are in agreement, but I would love to hear your argument. All right. So he was definitely uh good. Uh, like it, uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He had command of this offense. Uh, but there are still just little things here and there uh that if he cleans up, uh it it makes him such of uh, of a more dynamic quarterback. Uh one is his ability to throw on the move. Uh there was I think it was the the last drive uh on the third down throw where he's rolling out uh more uh find some space along the sideline and he uh, more is wide open and he just airmails it way wide of of more on a pass that he needs to hit. Uh, and second are his his deep passes. He shows that he has the arm. When he's able to step into it, he can get the ball down there. And not just get the ball down there. He can put it in front of the wide receivers. I don't know how many times we've seen go balls with, with Zach Wilson where those balls just kind of die. And they're all underthrown. And it, and it makes these, these uh, passes that should be in front, like 50-50 balls. Uh, and... Unless uh, it's Garrett Wilson or Mims uh, out there getting them, uh, it's 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 usually it was more in the beginning of the year, which it, who I don't want uh, getting 50-50 balls along <laughs> the perimeter. Uh, it, it's it, we're just not made for it, and it's also not necessary because these receivers are getting separation downfield. And if we can, if White can clean that up and get the ball into his receivers' hands in stride. Uh, there's going to be another layer to this offense that we haven't seen yet this season uh, or even most of last season. Uh, It's just the little things. Uh, uh, He, he, uh, 
dropped back what uh, 60 59 times uh so I, it, there's bound to be some mistakes it was a lot more good than bad uh for sure uh but there's just little things uh some passes behind his receivers uh some errant throws here and there but for the most part good all right so i was just super pumped about mike white's game um you know, and Andrew, you kind of alluded to it before, you know, the Twitter world, um, you know, you see kind of uh, some screenshots of some box scores and stuff like that to box score that game yesterday from, from Mike white would be so incredibly wrong. In my opinion, based off of that performance right there, um, unless something catastrophic happens, um, this is Mike white's team for the rest of the season. Um, whatever happens, this is Mike White's team. There should be no if, ends, or buts about it. The reason, obviously, the offense, you know, from a very general standpoint, the offense moves a whole lot better when he's back there. But the reason being, I think, and I think the biggest difference, and there are a lot of differences right now from what we've saw with with Zach before he got uh before he got the pine and Mike White. One of the I think the biggest difference is Mike White's eyes are always up. Um, and it's, it, they don't come down to the rush and that allows him to kind of stand in there. Obviously it takes a lot of, you know, what to stand in there, no matter where your eyes are. Um, but he sees the field, no matter, you know, even when there's pressure, he's still looking up, he's got his eyes down the field and he finds the guy, whether, you know, it was Elijah Moore over the middle. He did a really nice job. I thought on some of the sideline throws, whether it was a touch, um, there, there was a couple, um, one to, to Elijah Moore, and then another one where Garrett Wilson made a really, really nice t- uh, toe-tap catch on the yes. sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember at, at what point in the game it was. It was a very nice catch by Garrett Wilson. Second to um, last drive of the game. Yes, and that's where I was like, you know, some, some things you kind of turn and you say, okay, you know, but Mike White gives you the ability, one, the guys, you know, with these longer developing routes, you need the quarterback to kind of stand in there. It's just the nature of the play call. Um, and he did that, whether it was the fourth intent to Corey Davis um, or some of these other downfield downfield passes, you know, and then you kind of look at it from the end of the game there. And I'll kind of stand by this here. If we win it, it again, we're doing a whole lot of ifs because we were so damn close. Um, but if we win that game, if we find a way to score at that end of the game, the sequence of Mike White kind of looking like he was shaken up before that fourth down after the third down. Um, I don't know exactly what happened to him. He looked like he was kind of holding his forearm or his, his wrist, whatever it might've been. Um, and then you're kind of sitting there like, Oh crap, Joe Flacco's about to come in, you know, what, whatever is going to happen. Um, for some reason, it kind of got glossed over on the broadcast that he was kind of down hurt. You sh- you shoot over to fourth down and he did two things. He did more than just fit that ball in on that play. And I still have to confirm it on the all 22. Um, you know, you kind of see, I saw a couple things, but the, the, the one thing that he did first was he knew he was going to need time in that pocket. He knew he was going to go down the field. Obviously Corey Davis had the deep dig. It was going to, you needed 10 yards. The ball had to go past the sticks and you saw Mike white in his drop. He was intentionally dropping back deeper and a whole lot quicker. And he did it 
sort of diagonally away from the rush that was coming towards the left side of the field uh, from, from the side of his left tackle that gave him the ability to say, okay, now I have enough space where I could drive this football down the field. And he drove it. He put it right. The only spot really, it probably could have been for Corey Davis and they convert convert. So the, the combination of Mike white, keeping his eyes down the field, Mike White improvising in the pocket to where it doesn't look like Mahomes or Josh Allen or anything like that. Um, But he's giving himself the ability to drive the football down the field. And it's exactly what this Jets defense, this defense, it's exactly what this Jets offense needs because once they have guys, they have guys on the field where once you get the ball in their hands, you don't know what's going to happen after that. This is not Buffalo game of January 9th or whatever, 2022 where, you know, the, you know, you just don't have guys that are, that are capable of making a play. You have guys now on this offense where if you get them the football, the next thing, you know, they, you know, the defense may be looking at the, looking at the, at the name on the back of the Jersey and it's gone for six. That's the kind of talent that they have. Obviously we know it from Garrett Wilson, Elijah Morris eventually going to make one of those plays this year, Corey Davis, um, you know, has obviously the ability to make some clutch plays at the end of the game. Uh, We'll kind of, you know, maybe talk about him in the beginning of the game. Uh, But you got guys right now to where you need a quarterback like Mike White to get them the football. And it's exactly why this Jets, the offense is at least getting into the red zone. We've touched on the red zone struggles, but I think he's the perfect quarterback for what this team needs right now. And I don't think there should be any question about how he played um, or who's going to be the quarterback kind of moving forward in these next couple of games. I think he's even earned himself where if it looks a little bit shaky against Buffalo, you still roll with him. You show the confidence because the guys are responding to him. That's the other thing. If we, if you look at Garrett Wilson's words about how he talked about Mike white, I will, I kind of, I was like, all right, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm ready to play too. I'm going to get my butt kicked out there, but I'm ready to go for Mike white too. I, <laughs> I think this team responds to him. The coach responds. And, uh, and, and, and this offense kind of gets going. I think Mike white, you know, we don't know what the future is going to hold, but for right now, he's exactly what this team needs. Yeah. Uh, based on what we've seen from Mike white, I believe he should be awarded the same leeway as Zach has, uh, Zach wasn't removed and benched until he made it very clear that he was holding this offense back. Uh, And from what we've seen from Mike White in the last two games is he is far from that. He is not only not holding us back, but he is actually actively driving this offense uh, with his efficiency and his ability to stand strong in the pocket and make these plays and make these big time throws in tight windows. He is making these players better. Uh, or at least allowing them to show their talents uh, to to their fullest potential. Uh, and Zach wasn't doing that. So it, it, there's, and it, uh, right now Zach's not even activated. He's probably not going to be activated next week either. So the, the only option after White is Flacco. And they've seen what they've had in Flacco, and it's an immobile mess. So yes, White is the guy going forward until he proves he is not and he's nowhere even close to doing that i completely and totally agree i could not agree more that there's absolutely no reason for mike white not to be the starting quarterback and until he plays as poorly as zach wilson did against new england there's no reason for him to see the bench either um guys this kind of puts everything in context for me very very simply 
This past Sunday against the Vikings, win, red zone, all of that withstanding. 486 yards of total offense. That was the highest total the Jets have had all season. You know what was the highest before that? The week before against Chicago. <laughs> Mike White's two starts this year have been the Jets' best offensive performance, performances by a yardage output in all season back-to-back. That stands for something. This is without Brees Hall. This is with offense. This is with George Fant with his first start since week three, who didn't even start the game, who was put in after Max Mitchell wasn't playing as well. This is a UDFA running back in his second game that we're very big fans of, but still not Brees Hall as your running back. You know, you have Garrett Wilson doing Garrett Wilson things. That's huge, but it's not like this is the Jets offense at full strength, or it's not like this is the Jets offense with the talent that Zach Wilson's had around it. And we didn't see this type of performance on top of that. The one thing with Mike white that is, and maybe it's a little unfair to be comparing the drastic of how bad Zach was to where Mike white is. And maybe that's making him seem a little better in my brain than it should. But when Mike White misses Matt, I want to I want to pick your brain a little about a bit about this because the play you were talking about to Elijah Moore, I think might have been a play to Garrett Wilson. If I oh, was it Wilson? remembering, no. I think it might have been Wilson because I think I know what you're talking about. It was um, it was a third down from like ten or twelve yards away. And he's throwing an out route to the left. And it looks like Garrett like sticks one arm out there and he's jumping for it. And it looks like it's way like outside of him. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the last drive because, you know, it was, it, was, it was definitely that third down right before the, the interception uh, where he was. We're just trying to get uh, some yardage uh, and more wasn't really trying. He wasn't really running a route. It was more. Just okay. getting open, finding space, and okay, I'm thinking of the play directly before that. Okay, so yeah, I see what you're talking play. about. I'm, yep. The second down play is what I'm thinking of. I was going to say on that play, Garrett got held. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and it wasn't called, and so the ball was it seemed off because Garrett was held, and he would have been on time if he were to get out there. Outside mm-hmm. of that throw to Elijah Moore, would you say any of his misses were huge? Was he missing by five yards over people's head like we saw Zach Wilson do? No. No, not even close. Even even on some of his most heartbreaking misses, where you have the shot up the sideline to Garrett Wilson, he's missing by inches. Inches. Ugh. He's missing by inches. Where he's off in some of his plays, where I felt like if Mike White didn't throw a hundred out of a hundred pass and it was slightly off center from where it should be, but still a catchable ball, it was either dropped or tipped and intercepted in this game. By the way, that 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 interception, the that first interception, interception, uh, was obvious pass interference. Like the ball was a good. <laughs> 10 yards away from from Davis when the the defender was on his back. That was uh, egregious and it it didn't stop there either. Then you had that pass to the Mims where the defender was in his chest and pushing him away before the ball got there. It I I just wish that the refs would have called it even because they were calling these things on us all day. And kind of to um and not to beat a dead horse about Mike White here, but um, Andrew, you kind of mentioned before how, you know, scouting running backs is, you know, you take a lot of pride in it for like the quarterback for me. Um, I, I love watching the quarterback play and, and try to, obviously I was at, to this point, wildly wrong about Zach, but, um, that's besides, the we point. all were <laughs> that's besides <laughs> the point, I guess. Um, I think, and, you know, based on just kind of how I watch it. I think confidence is really easy to spot in a quarterback. Um, and Took I think the words out of my mouth, I think it like 
you know confidence in a quarterback when you're watching the quarterback and all of a sudden you feel confident. And what I mean by that is there was a point or there was a, you know, there's been points or quite a few of them in Zach's, you know, kind of games this year where when he's dropping back, I feel like I know he doesn't know what he's going to do. You're holding your breath. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right, when he lets go with his ball and you're watching on TV, you can't see what's going on. Um, on, on the, you know, the back end, I'm like, I don't know where this football is going to go. Like for all I know, I'm just waiting for the, the camera to turn. And there's like four new England Patriots there and not a single jet in sight, um, which could unfortunately feels like it's happened before. <laughs> um, but you know, when Mike White, when he drops back, a, you can tell he's confident, but B, you can tell he's fully connected. Like he's not thinking about his his feet or his drop back. That's that's already that's second nature to him. Um, all he's thinking about is I got my eyes downfield. He knows where he wants to go, and the ball comes out. And I feel good about it when the ball comes out. Like I feel like, all right, he's throwing it because he sees something that he knows he likes. He sees something he knows where he knew where he wanted to go, and it was there when the ball was snapped. Um, and so I, I just I, I feel that confidence from him, and I think it really has um, kind of you know uh, spread its way around the locker room to where these guys think that when they go out on the field, they're going to move the football and, you know, you're not going to score a touchdown on every drive. You know, you obviously want to do it on more than one of six in the red zone, but you know, it, it, it's not a lot of, all right, three and outs or, you know, this, this, this drive was so horrible. If they don't score, it still feels like they're getting, you know, uh, 25, you know, they're getting a couple first downs. They're keeping that defense, you know, at least a, a little bit of a break, but, the overall piece about Mike White, you know, his confidence, it kind of just oozes, you know, from his play. Um, and I feel like it's really, really easy to kind of feed off that both, you know, for us watching it as fans, but also, you know, probably obviously more importantly, the players, you know, the players around him on the field. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I completely, completely agree. I mean this in the most complimentary possible way I can, and I will explain what I mean, because when it comes out of my mouth, people are going to question me, but I promise it's going to make sense. In the best way possible, Mike White is a robot. He throws the ball the same every single time. His mechanics don't waver. Whether he's stepping up in the pocket, whether he's, you know, shuffling, it's okay. It's the same throwing motion. The ball never comes out, you know, wobbly. He's never missing wildly and and completely off kilter. It's usually on point. I would say nine and a half times out of 10, the ball goes exactly where he wants it to go. And if he's off, he's off slightly. He's not off by much. He doesn't let his emotions affect what's going on in the game or what's happening around him whatsoever, whatsoever, where I'm trying to imagine Zach Wilson being in a game on the road down 20 to three at a point early in the game, immediate pressing, immediate time for hero ball, immediate. I need to make this throw in a double coverage and I need to hold on to the ball as long as possible and try and make seven people miss to go and make a play because we're down 20 to three. Mike White, it's we got the whole game left. I'm going to keep executing the offense. I'm going to keep hitting my open man. I'm going to go through my progressions. I'm going to do what I have to do. We'll get there eventually. Then you get into crunch time. You're down by a touchdown. You need a touchdown to take the lead. You're backed up in your own end zone and you drive right down the field and you get into the red zone. You make a clutch play on fourth and 10 after taking a shot where James, you had mentioned the pocket movement where he's able to intentionally move his drop and move his launch point to find the throwing angle. The other thing for me that completely and totally was like alarm bells ringing. Holy crap. We might really have something here. He held the free safety in position the whole time he was doing it. 
with his eyes. Cause he knows that he's got, it was like the, it was like a double in concept and he's got Corey Davis as the far outside in. I don't remember if it was Garrett or if it was Elijah Moore as the inside receiver that's running the first kind of slant route over the middle, but he takes his eyes and he goes drifting with this first in route and he keeps his eyes to the middle of the field as he's drifting. And right as the window opens, he turns and snaps and fires and hits the window and beats the safety with the ball to Corey Davis on fourth and 10. That's special quarterback play. That's something that is evidence of a quarterback making the players around them better because if Mike white doesn't hold that safety, they may have a better angle to come down on that ball. Corey Davis may not be open. It might get broken up. He may be leading him into a hospital shot. Instead, Mike White's eyes opened the window for Corey Davis to get open. You had mentioned the throw on the sideline to Garrett Wilson. That's one of the best throws the Jets quarterback has made all season. That was an incredibly, incredibly tight window from about 2020. I think it was about 20 yards away. And he put it where only Garrett Wilson could catch it and the only place it could have been and had it still been a completion. When you're doing quarterback grades, what I like to do for throws, because I think there's a a wide variance uh, of quality of throws where a good, not every good throw is created equally. And some great throws are even better than others. That's a hundred out of a hundred throw for me, where there's some throws that are really, really good, but they're still 95 out of a hundred. And it could have been a few centimeters off or, or, or somewhere we're not quite there. And it's a, it's a 96. This was a hundred out of a hundred. You could not have put it any better if you were a robot with a laser guided accuracy system. And that's my point about Mike White. He's never wavered. He doesn't let the game get too big for him. He doesn't let his emotions affect him. He takes what the defense is giving him. He takes in the information. He scans what's available. He calculates and comes out with the best possible outcome for it. And he goes out and executes. And he doesn't have to think about the execution part. There is a, you said confidence, James. And there's absolutely confidence where you have the the trust in your arm to fit the balls into those tight windows, to know where your receivers are going to be, to know that you can stand tough in the pocket and find the throwing lane anyway. But for me, above all else, it's the calmness from Mike White. It's the fact that nothing ever is too big for him. It's the fact that you see him in the huddle. You see his demeanor as he's going through his drops. You see the look on his face. You see his mechanics. It looks the exact same as it does at the start of the game when it's 0-0, as it does later in the game if they're down 20-3, to and it looks the exact same at the end when they're trying to make a comeback. And you would mention the team responding around him because of it, and that's exactly what it is. The uncertainty of Zach Wilson really scared this team, and it really made them kind of question how good they could be or if they were going to have this guy hold them back where every time he goes and drops back to throw, they don't know if it's going to be a disaster. Mike White is the complete opposite where pretty much every time Mike White drops back to throw, unless he's getting someone running clean at him that he's not going to be able to avoid, you're pretty confident that the absolute worst thing that's going to happen is going to be an incomplete pass. That's a really good feeling to have. And when his two interceptions, to to kind of close this out for the box score scouts out there, when one of them was a drop pass that was tipped up in the air, and the second one was a throw on fourth down with no time left at the end of the game with the pocket collapsing, trying to get any amount of play, needing a touchdown to win. I'm not going to hold either of those two plays against Mike White and go, oh, he was absolutely terrible. If Braxton Berrios doesn't drop a pass, he is a touchdown throw too. I'm, I thought this performance was awesome. It wasn't perfect. There's absolutely things to be included, but 
the receivers weren't running free wide open all day. When they were running free wide open, he usually hit them. He had one miss to Garrett Wilson, but he has another play to CJ Uzama up the right sideline where he perfectly drops it in over his shoulder and he's able to run up the field for 30 yards. He has a play to Garrett Wilson that's his 60-yard run where he fits the ball between three linebackers over the middle and hits Garrett Wilson dead between the numbers and allows him to bounce off a tackle and go up the side of the field. There was so many of those type of plays for me that I'm I'm thrilled with his performance. And I really think that, quite honestly, the numbers may not indicate it. This was a better game from Mike White than last week in Chicago. This was a more difficult game. The competition was better despite what the Vikings defenses rated. They didn't play like it. And there was not a lot of guys open. And Mike White did everything that he could to keep this offense effective. And if it was not for some some questionable play calling in the red zone, the Jets would have beaten the Vikings on the road. You got to be happy with Mike White. You have to. I don't know how anyone could could watch this game and have any understanding of how football works and legitimately tell me that he's the problem. He's not. No, he is not. I think it's important to reiterate something you said, and that is at no point has this game been too big for him. Uh, and the the sample size is is pretty small with Mike White. And one of my biggest concerns uh, was what how would he react when he is uh, down big and he needs to make up a big deficit? Because last year against the Bills, uh, we saw him uh, fall into a deficit and he did start to, th- to play hero ball then. And it led to a lot of mistakes. It led to a lot of turnovers. Uh, we Of course, we don't know how much the injury really affected him that game. Uh, I'm sure it did. But at the same time, I, I, that's what I was most worried about. And the next thing I was most worried about is how does he react to pressure? If he starts getting constantly pressured, like he was against that, that, the Bills last year. Uh, and we kind of saw uh, in the beginning of this game uh, when the, the Vikings were starting to get a little uh, pressure on him. And he didn't quite look the same. And he, yeah, he stood tall. And yeah, he still tried to make the throws, but at the same time, he was not as accurate. He he will take the hit, but th- those passes won't be as crisp, uh, which is understandable because I don't think that any m- most quarterbacks can can throw the crisp the crispest balls uh, when while being hit. Uh, so to be an understood, but at the same time, uh, now. A lot of people are going to be like, okay, yeah, sure. He did it against the Bears and he did it against the Vikings who, yeah, like you said, they didn't play like the one of the worst defenses, but you know, people are going to hold that against them. And now we play the Bills. Now we play the Bills uh, that we beat earlier, uh, but at the same time, they have a lot more talent back uh, at their fingertips than they had back when we beat them. Uh, I believe Poyer's back. Uh, Tredavious White is back. Uh, uh, the their uh, linebacker um, uh, Milano's back, I believe. So it's they they've got the the their studs back for the most part. Yeah, Von Miller's out, but how are is he going to react to a defense uh, that has the star power that they have? That that's the that's the million dollar question for the week, right? It's. And let, let me, I want to kind of make a connection to the Vikings game to kind of uh, bring us to the Bills here. And there was a point in that Vikings game where he was getting pressure on third down earlier in the game 
Um, and obviously the, the Jets defense had a couple series there where things weren't looking all that hot. Um, and from a fan perspective, watching at home on the TV, the third down check downs um, to Ty Johnson, you know, short of the sticks seems infuriating for us because it's like, all right, well, you're not going to get a first down doing that. Right. But some things call for it, you know, during the flip, you know, we may be infuriated, but the, the defense sure probably wasn't. And, you know, the game flow wasn't what I, I mean by that is Mike White was saying, okay, listen, this is what it is right then and here. He just dumped it off. You know, you punt, but, at the end of the day, sometimes the punt isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, and you get your defense back out there. And even though they're struggling, you still know what they're capable of, what they're doing. And it's very possible that Mike White not playing outside of himself early on in the deficit facing that kind of pressure is or, or allowed the Jets to eventually still put themselves where they could be in that football game. And so you take it to the Bills game here. They got a ton of talent back. Thankfully, the Jets have um, some guys who can make plays on offense now that can help him. But when you look at it pressure-wise, can Mike White early on kind of emulate that where he says, listen, I'm still going to take what they give me. Maybe a guy makes a play and gets a first down. Hey, but maybe we put our defense back on the field. We get a punt from Braden Mann. We, you know, we, we keep that field position to where it's not the Patriots game where, you know, we, you know, that first Patriots game where, you know, the quarterback makes a turnover. Now the starting field position for that Patriots offense and that game was something ridiculous. I don't know what it was, but if you put the bills in that kind of situation, the game's going to be over before you can blink. And sometimes, you know, and we saw it in the first game against the bills, can they force Josh Allen into the turnovers, right? Can Mike white just play within himself, protect that football Take what the defense gives him. It may not always be what we want to see, you know, from, you know, the, the explosive standpoint, but it's potentially what the game flow needs to get that defense out there, potentially keep Josh Allen in the pocket, collapse the pocket, you know, uh, rally to the football, make a play, maybe force him into a couple mistakes, which we were able to do in the first game, get the, get the football, turn it over and don't give it back to them. Um, I think that's kind of the recipe there. I think it's obviously going to start with Mike White, but can Mike White almost emulate what he did early on in the Vikings to potentially give the Jets that chance later on against the Bills to win the football game, take a lead, tie the game, do whatever they need to do, but not throw this game away early on to an offense that can put the lights out super early in this football game, despite whatever your defense is you know, ultimately capable of. So um I think I, I was impressed about that part uh, with Mike White on on Sunday, um, and it's something that I'm hoping that he can do and not get outside of himself, which we haven't seen him do. But I think it's important in this Bills game coming up. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Field position is always going to be huge for the Jets, especially when you have a defense that plays as well as they do, that can get off the field as quickly as they can. Having the ability to flip the field is absolutely crucial, and you can see. Things may seem, you know, all may, may be lost, but the Jets defense can go out and force a three and out in the blink of an eye and the offense gets the ball back and then they're right back, you know, near midfield after they, you know, forced a punt. This can be, it, it can be the difference in games. I, I want to go back to that little flip out to Ty Johnson and, and I want to 
add in the caveat that I need to wait to see the film to be 100% sure about this. And I haven't been able to find a replay of this play. So I'm going purely off uh, memory and first reaction. But if I can get the firm, the film to confirm this, then I'll definitely come back and mention it. I'm pretty sure that that was just a really good executed defensive call by the Vikings. And the Jets were trying to get Ty Johnson on a little flare route um, to the to the sideline in man coverage. And they were trying to have they've done this before where they try and have Garrett Wilson come up uh, out in front and go in front and in. And they have Ty come out like out and under behind it. They tried to do it. um a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was either last week in Chicago or the week before, but they tried to do it again where they were in empty. They motioned Ty out and then Ty didn't get inside of Garrett Wilson. He stayed to the outside and it, it took away the rub play. I think what happened, and this is why I'm waiting for the film to confirm this. It looked like the Vikings were in man coverage pre-snap. And if it was going to be man coverage, then if this play is executed correctly, there should be enough space created for Ty to get the ball in the flat and run for the couple of yards he needs to get the first down and get the corner. What I think the Vikings did is I think that when the Jets did their little switch release and they had the outside go in and the inside go out, I think the Vikings matched it and they had their outside cover man stay to the outside and they had their inside guys stay to the inside because there was a guy already outside of Ty Johnson when Mike was going to make that throw. And that's a first read type of throw. That's not like a White's getting this ball. He's scanning. He's he's going down. He's getting to Ty Johnson. It's the check down. That's the design play. That's the designed first read in the concept where it's pretty much the ball's only going to this player because that's what they're reading. And pre-snap, it looked like, man. Now, I would need to go back to the film to confirm that to see that that is exactly what the Vikings did and they just didn't actually follow the man and and messed up the pick play because of it. But if that's the case, then we're not... It's not, why are we throwing short of the sticks? It's, we called a play to get us past the sticks and the Vikings defense shut it down. And at that point, it's good play by the defense, not bad. Again, I was the first one to sit here and say Mike White's, you know, at fault for the red zone calls, but I'm not going to blame Mike White for that call in particular. I don't think that is if it is what I think it is. And this is why I need to go back and confirm with the film. But if it is what I think it is, and it was supposed to be a read against man coverage where it's supposed to be a rub route, then that's a well-designed call and it should get the first round first down against man. If the Vikings did the exact perfect counter to it, which is play match and just wait for the guy to cut outside and don't even follow the man that you're guarding to the inside and just kind of more play zone. Then I perfect. Then I, I think that's the Vikings defense just making a good play. And so I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on that. I'm going to go back to the film and confirm that this game with Buffalo, and this will be where we kind of end before we get out of here is it's been quite the fun hour and a half, but at some <laughs> point we do need to wrap this one up. This game against Buffalo for Mike White, while we all think that he's done enough to secure this job for the rest of the season. I don't even think he necessarily needs to win because it's not always on quarterback wins. If we're not going to give Zach Wilson credit for going five and two as a starter before getting benched and say that those wins weren't because of him, then we can't give every win the jets get with Mike white to him in the same way. If they win or lose, if white plays well against Buffalo's defense, then there's nothing you can do to bench him. Then there's no a- absolute excuse. And and like you mentioned, James, with the locker room being fully on board, they'll be even more fully on board than they were before. And, and you won't even have, you'll, you'll outright upset members of your team by going against Mike White at that point in the year. So for Mike White in particular, the number one thing that I can say for him is to continue being himself and doing what he does. Because Buffalo's defense, we saw them play a lot of man coverage against the Jets in the last matchup. 
and it may not have worked as well for them. And I think this game, they know they're going to have a quarterback that isn't going to be as baited into mistakes, isn't going to be, you know, as willing to throw balls into coverage. I think for the Bills, they're going to play more of a zone-based attack and kind of stick to what they know and try and shut down the run game up front and force Mike White to throw 60 passes to beat them against a defense they think is better than Minnesota's. So if you're Mike White, I think you can't press anything. You can't be trying to play hero ball and be something that you're not trusting your defense, play the field position game and do your best. The only thing that I'll say is if you are going to get man coverage and everyone's going to be covered, even if you only get a few yards, be quick to run. You're not going to be too effective doing it. You're not an explosive athlete, but the earlier you can decide to get on the move, the better in that scenario. That's kind of one of the areas, if not one of the only main areas I want to see improvement from him, because I think all of his other things can be improved upon with time. When you know you're out of the pocket and you need to run, decide as quickly as possible because you don't have the explosiveness to wait and make that decision late. The minute problems with accuracy, quite frankly, I think that's what happens when you don't start all year. And this is your second week as the starting quarterback, getting chemistry with the receivers that you're throwing to. And that's why you're seeing slight misses. That's why you're seeing misses by a few inches, misses by, you know, just outside of someone's outstretched arm or just a tiny bit too high or, or, or something like that. I think that's a little bit of execution that the more Mike White plays and practices with these guys in that starting role and running these concepts, he's just going to get down even more and more. And those little minute accuracy problems are going to go away real soon. I really think it's just be quick with your feet. Don't take anything that's you know not there. Don't try and be the hero. Trust in your defense. Trust in your skill talent. Trust in your running backs. And be Mike White, and you should be just fine. See, now, I think that the key to this game really lies with the run game. When we really had the Bills against the wall uh, when we played them the first time, it was with our running game. We ran the ball, I believe, eight straight times in our final scoring drive. Uh, to really nail the game home for us. And I think we need to do it again. We did it with, uh, uh, who was it? Was it Robinson and, and it was and Robinson Carter? and Carter and yep. Carter. They were able to do it. I think we can be, we can do it again. Uh, this week we'll have Fant probably starting at right tackle. Uh, so this will be the second week in a row where we probably have the same, uh, set of linemen, and they're all healthy, as far as I know, and that should uh, go a long way uh, with uh, uh, these guys uh, kind of flowing together and working together, and really start opening up uh, the lanes for these running backs, especially Bam. Uh, Carter should be back this game. I wonder if uh, if they start giving him uh, starter snaps again, or if they stick with Bam as their 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 bell cow right now. Uh, but I think these guys are more than able uh, to to really set the tone with our run game and maybe play off that some uh, some more. So we're not seeing Mike White drop back close to sixty times again, uh, because that kind of flows right into what the Bills want. They have the studs with White and Poyer back there, uh, and uh, I forgot their their slot cornerback who's also pretty good. Uh, but that's that, that's what they want. They want to pin their ears Darren back Jackson? with their pass rush. Darren Jackson, yes. Darren yeah. Jackson. Uh, they want to pin their ears back with their pass rush with Ed Oliver uh, and Rousseau and, and get after the quarterback. Uh, so if we're dropping back, that it, they need to be quick passes. Uh, it, that's what Zach did 
and did very well in our first game. He got the ball and the ball was out quickly. Uh, yes, we our guys were, were beating them in man coverage. Uh, so we'll have to find a new ways if they if they kind of do what you said and play more in zone. Uh, but that's that's the key. Don't let the pass rush inundate you. Get the ball out quick. Be accurate. But first and foremost, get the run game going. Yeah, I think that's going to be the key as well. And quite honestly, I think the key to this game for me, it's not Mike White, it's the offensive line. If the offensive line can play the way they did the first time they played Buffalo, I think the Jets are going to win the game. If they play less to that standard, if they play closer to how they played against Minnesota, especially in the run game, I think it's going to be a lot tougher. And this is kind of like the last little bit of uh, of credence that I'll give Michael Floor to kind of sit there and say, okay, I understand the hesitancy. His offensive line was not blocking well up front, and they were not getting a lot of movement off the line of scrimmage and uh, pretty much all day. And that made it a lot harder on the running backs to be effective. So I can understand being a little more hesitant to want to call some run plays, but if there's ever a time to want to call a run play, it's when you're needing one yard to go at the end of the game on, on third and fourth down. Not to go off on a tangent again, I think it's the offensive line that will hold the key to this game. If they can protect Mike White, if they can keep him clean, and if they can open up holes in the run game, I think this offense is going to be just fine. And I think it's going to be the same performance we've seen the last two weeks with Mike White, where they're going to move the ball up and down the field, and and they'll have no problems. And the Jets' offense will be perfectly okay. If the offensive line is struggling, I think that's going to make things a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, I think um, offensively, um, the offensive line – is a great point. And I think where it, it, it also lies is early down success. Um, staying, staying ahead of the sticks as best Absolutely. as possible, get those third in shorts. I mean, we saw from, we saw from Minnesota. I mean, you know, uh, you know, early in those games, they, they got the third and threes, the third and twos, the third and fours. And, and they were kind of just, you know, Kirk Cousins just kind of dinking and dunking, you know, right past the sticks on, uh, you know, quick throws and he knows they know he can't move all that well. Um, and if he sits back there, then, you know, guys like Quinnen and them, they're going to get after him. And so, you know, if we could get Mike White in those manageable, you know, very short third down, you know, type of situations earlier on in the football game and, you know, maybe throughout the game, it's not going to happen, you know, every drive. But, um, you know, I feel confident in him to to get the ball to the right guy for a first down if if if, he, if they're in those situations and, you know, you kind of limit um, – you know, not that you limit the downfield, but, you know, if you keep them in, 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 in manageable situations, you get the run game going early in, in the early downs, the short throws, and, you know, it, it eventually opens up guys like Garrett Wilson down the field, um, you know, later on in the game. So I think that's key. And then, you know, kind of just to quickly touch on the defensive side of the football, I think, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's Quan Alexander, it's CJ Mosley, it's Quincy Williams. I think those are the guys for me, um, you know, the, this week, you know, obviously Josh Allen, they, they run a, a quite a few design runs and we saw the 36 yard touchdown run. He had um, basically just a quarterback sweep, um, you know, short yardage type of situations, um, you know, where they're going to, they're going to try to get on the, the, the outside, the run game to get, you know, either first downs or big plays for the quarterback, Singletary, whoever it is, we need those three guys to come downhill fast. We need to see, you know, the Quan Alexander that, you know, came down and stopped Dalvin, Dalvin cook there at the end that gave us a chance you know, for, for, you know, for that last chance, uh, you know, a punt in the back of the end zone, the guys that are going to come downhill on those outside runs, make plays, um, you know, and, and try to keep obviously Josh Allen in the pocket, uh, collapse that pocket on the pass plays. But I really think it's going to be those guys coming downhill on those outside runs to really limit that part of what Buffalo tries to do on the offensive side of the football. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. Uh, I think that's absolutely going to be huge. The defensive line for pretty much every game the Jets are going to play in the rest of this year has to play well for the defense to play well. It's built that way. It's how this scheme works. They have a great secondary that does a lot of help for them, uh, especially in the cornerback unit, but it really starts and ends up front. If Josh Allen can sit back and pick people apart all day, there is no other quarterback that I'm more terrified of with time to throw than Josh Allen. There's There's not even a discussion. I would take... I would rather defend Patrick Mahomes for five seconds than Josh Allen for five seconds. Be, both of them are going to kill you. Neither of them are, are a good situation to be in whatsoever. But Allen has the mobility aspects to where if he's not getting pressured and there really is nobody open downfield, that he can turn into a dangerous runner and make people miss and, and be an absolute explosive athlete that way. And, and the one thing that I think on top of the offensive line being successful gave the Jets an edge in their last game against the Bills Josh Allen was off. It wasn't a good game from him overall. And he himself said it where point blank period, he goes in his post game press conference and they ask him what went wrong for the bills today. And he goes, it's hard to win a game when your quarterback plays like shit talking about himself. We're not going to seize that bad Josh Allen twice. We're not going to see it twice. It's not going to happen. He's not going to have another off day. I'm sure he wants that game back and he's going to be looking for revenge. So for me, you cannot, it's it's very, very simple. You cannot have any penalties in this game. Penalties will kill you. They'll kill you, especially defensively. Roughing the passer is going to absolutely ruin your day. If if you're worried about, you know, you can't wipe pick sixes off the board with roughing the passer calls, like we saw in the first New England game. You, you can't have defensive holdings on plays that would be good plays in coverage. You absolutely have to try and play a clean game as much as possible because I think the Bills offense is going to be firing. I don't think this is going to be a game where your defense can just outright suffocate things and keep you in the game all day. I think it's going to be a little more similar to what we just saw against Minnesota, where the Vikings offense had some success in the first half and the Jets offense had to go and match that. I really think that if you're expecting the Jets defense to come out and completely just shut out this Bills offense, then you're going to be sorely mistaken. And it's going to be your fault for assuming that this is a talented group too. And they have one of the best quarterbacks in the world. This is not going to be a gimme and they're not going to get bad Josh Allen twice. Yeah. One thing that's kind of been worrying me about this defense for the last three weeks, even going back to the Patriots game uh, is the tackling. The tackling seems to, to be a sore spot as of late. Uh, and that's not going to cut it, especially when you have a, a quarterback like Josh Allen uh, and the receivers that he has. If you guys, if, if they let these guys have an inch, they'll take a mile and they'll score. Uh, we need to get more crisp. We need to get our heads up. We need to wrap around no arm tackles, no just throwing your body at people. We need to have uh, very fundamental uh, strength when we uh, when we go in for these tackles or else they're going to just victimize us all day. Uh, I'm looking at the linebackers to, to really be a focal point uh, when it comes to stopping the run and forcing Allen to stay in the pocket uh, and throw into cover into the coverage uh, of our uh, talented secondary. Uh, and I think we did an okay job of that in the first game. Uh, he did have, uh, I believe he scored when CJ uh, got hurt and we needed to put Sherwood in for a, a play or two. Uh, and I believe Allen uh, took advantage of that opportunity. Uh, 
if we can keep him in the pocket, keep him from making large gains on the ground, uh, keeping drives uh, alive with his legs, uh, it'll go a long way. Uh, but most of all, it's, yes, like you said, just get pressure on him. Because if he has forever back there, uh, it's, it doesn't matter who our cornerbacks are, that he's going to find an open receiver somewhere. Uh, and he'll just dice us up. So, yes, we need to get pressure on him. That's not a, it's not a question of can we survive if we don't. We can't. We need to get pressure. Yeah, I completely and totally agree. I think that's going to be how this game is won and lost defensively is can you pressure Josh Allen and can you force him off his spot? Can you, you don't want him to be playing off rhythm because he's dangerous there too, but can you get him off script? Can you make him rush in his process? Can you take away the design read of the play? And can you hope that some of your defensive linemen can get this guy down because it's absolutely no easy task. You guys want to do some picks and then we'll call this one a day. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, I'll lead things off here. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm not feeling too confident with a win this week. I'm a little worried because it's in Buffalo. I think the bills are going to be pissed off after losing to the jets before they're trying to round in shape and make sure they can win this division. They know this is going to be an important game. I, I definitely don't think they're going to be overlooking this team having lost to them once already. And I'm really thinking that that Josh Allen is going to want to come out and make a statement and that's going to make things pretty tough for the jets as a whole. I don't think it's going to be a complete dog walking. I think the Jets still could have a chance to win this game. I'm not going to completely and totally rule it out, but I'm I'm really worried that that we're going to get like angry demon Josh Allen, and it's going to be the we're into December, we're getting near the playoffs. I need to turn things on. I'm in my home stadium. I know I, I'm you know about to. I, I just had trouble against this team before. I, I really think this is going to be tough to see. I think the offense will do some good things, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. I'm going to go 24-17 Bills. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to probably have the ultimate same uh, outcome. Uh, I think the Bills are going to be hot early. Uh, they'll probably uh, put get a, get to maybe a two-score, uh, def- put us in a two-score deficit. Uh, and then Mike White really like last time, just brings us back from the the depths of, of despair uh, and makes it a game in, in the second half. Uh, but ultimately, I think uh, uh, Allen and the Bills are just going to be too much. Uh, I, I think their defense uh, with their stars back is going to be too much. Um, I think it's going to be tough sledding all around. They'll put up a, a, an admiral effort, but in the end, I'm going to say 26 to 17. All right. I'm doing it. <laughs> Be the underdog. Oh, oh, I love, I love this. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think the Jets win 24, 21 in Buffalo. Um, I think it, of the most unlikely situation of the year happens and that's the Jets sweep the Buffalo bills. Um, I think in the, at the end of the day, I think the opposite could wind up being true. It's a, it's a, a home crowd. Josh Allen knows how he played against the Jets the first time around. Um, I think he presses early, even though they, they, I mean, he's got everything around him. He's wildly talented. I think he presses early. He makes the, the mistake early on that gives this Jets defense the idea that, hey, listen, we're going to get him to play 
maybe he plays a little bit better than the last time, but we're, we're going to kind of help dictate this football game. Um, and I think Mike white makes enough plays to where he does not turn the ball over. Bam Knight gets going on the ground. Um, we saw James Robinson have the ability to get inside against, against Buffalo and, and, um, and Michael Carter had, I know they, I know they got some, some guys back and, and things like that, but you know, they are missing Von Miller again. So, uh, Michael Carter, I think he had about 86 yards on the ground. The last, last, uh, last game against Buffalo. I think you give you give that ball to Bam. I think he makes some plays in the cold in Buffalo, and it uh, it, it helps this Jets team uh, keep it keep it close in the fourth quarter. Um, and and they wind up they wind up pulling it out on the road. It's a season defining victory that we thought maybe we had in MetLife against Buffalo, but it actually comes here um, in Orchard Park. Uh, close win, and it propels the Jets for the rest of this regular season. So I. I I know it sounds crazy, um, but I just I, I don't know if I've heard a response verbally from a Jets team after a loss like that, like we did against the Vikings. And I know that's a very minuscule win when you're talking about results. And in the NFL, you have to win the football games and such. But I don't remember the last time I heard a coach, you know, come out after a loss like that and just say, you know, I'm proud to be this team's coach. Uh, you know, the guys, it, you know, the guys are ready to go for, uh, you know, for Mike White. CJ Mosley was talking about how, you know, listen, it, it may not have been the result, but we got the guys with the right stuff in this locker room. I think all of that stuff is just certain things you just haven't heard uh, come out of Jets locker room uh, in a long time. And, and that would, that was one of them, the response, I think they come back, you know, maybe some of them are way too young to understand even what they're up against. Um, and I think that that actually plays in their favor. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, just under a hundred yards last game. I think he's one of those guys where, you know, you potentially, you understand what the other team has on the other side, but he may also just be that good to where he's going to get his throughout the game. And so, um, yeah, I'm rolling with the jets. I feel, I feel confident in, in the response that they're going to have to the game that they just ultimately kind of fell short in. So, uh, jets 24, 21 in Buffalo. All right. Well, we got Matt and I predicting losses. James, you are the the lone wolf here as the underdog. I will say this. If the Jets end up beating the Bills in Buffalo, we're going to have you on to do predictions for every week going forward uh, because we will need to make sure we, we don't have the coin. We don't have the black on or the white on black anymore. We need something to grasp to as fans. That's a superstition that's going to lead to wins. And if it's James Wickhouse predictions on Oklahoma drill, then that's absolutely what we're going to do. Guys, let's go. go ahead and drop our handles, wrap this one up, and call it a day. I'm Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. I'm James, you can find me at BSB underscore breakdowns. And I'm Andrew, you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And make sure you're also following the show at OKD Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been quite a long one for anyone still tuning in at the hour and 50 plus minute mark. Mm -hmm. uh, we thank you, especially we thank you very, very much. We will be back real soon. Hopefully, Mr. Wakehouse over there has the correct crystal ball and the Jets are able to pull off an upset in Buffalo, setting themselves up at eight and five, looking to close out December and get in the playoffs. Finally, end that decade plus long postseason drought, the longest in the NFL. We'll see how things play, uh, play out. Thank you again one more time for tuning in. We'll be back real soon. Bye-bye.